Bisyata Dishmaya, Parshas Kisavai, this is the very first Parsha share of this man, even though we started this man two weeks ago, but Spashat uh, still recovering from a bit of pneumonia, so Rabbi Shem Shkimi Siyata Dishmaya will be able to finish today's Sheh, Be'ez Hashem. You know, it comes to Parshas Kisavai, it's a very scary Parsha. Anybody that went through the Parsha, you went through the Psukim of the Parsha, you see what's going on in Parshas Kisavai. 98 klolois, 98 curses. It's pretty bad. You know, Yiddishkeit isn't into punishments. Yiddishkeit isn't into discipline and punishment and hurting. But yet we find this week's parishes, Mole, it's full of curses and klolois. 98 punishments. And you wonder to yourself, why? What's the... You, know, you read the parasha, you read the psukim, the worst punishments going. And you think to yourself, who's deserving of such punishments? Which Averis did he do? Which terrible things did he commit? And you think to yourself, you envision a man who's done the most, some of the most terrible Averis going. He sunk to the lowest of all depths. But yet the Torah tells us something slightly different. The Torah tells us, Perek Chofches, Posuk Memches, Posuk Memzayin. What is the Siba? What is the reason for the 98 curses and clawless in this week's parasha? And for those people that are listening for the first time, that you're here for my parasha she, the Yisrael of the parasha she, is to try and gain something for our own personal lives. Rabbi said, tonight's lesson is a lesson not only for a lesson of Elul, of Rosh Hashanah, but it's a lesson of your entire life. If you get this lesson inside you, if you get it inside your blood and your bones, you'll have a different life guaranteed. Once again, the Torah tells us the reason for 98 curses. The severe punishment. What's the reason? Says the Torah, the end of all the curses. Why are they coming on you? Why are these terrible punishments? What's the reason? What did he do so wrong? And the Torah tells us, That's it. No big areas. No terrible sinner. This guy's a good Jew. He comes to Shachris on time. He comes to Mincha. He comes to Mariv. He sits and learns. He's doing all the right things. He's a good yid. So, so, 98 curses. What did he do wrong? What's the big deal? So tell yourself, it's very simple. And I read you a Loshna Rambam. The Rambam says this even clearer. One of the last halachas. And Hilchas Lulav in Ches. The last halacha, the Rambam, and he paskins the Rambam in this week's parsha. The Rambam says, "Hasimcha, she yismach odom, ba'siyas ha'mitzvah or ba'avos sa'el shetzibur behem." The simcha that a person has when he does mitzvahs, when he serves the rabbinic shalaylam, avoda gedolahi. It's a big avoda. But chalamoyin atzma v'simcha zu. If a person does not have this simcha. This is it.
look it up. If a person serves the Rabbani Shalom, he's a good yid, he does all the mitzvahs, he learns, he shows up, he's around. He just doesn't do it besimcha. It's a pelotzim, Rabbi Say. Just, just let me ask you a question. You have two people. Right? Imagine you have two people. One guy, it's so difficult to get out of bed. If you can imagine such a scenario, if you can imagine a guy like that, it's so odd. He pries open his eyelids with toothpicks to keep them open, try and keep it going. There he is, he mommish tears himself away from that warm geschmacker American mattress, and he goes out into the air-conditioned room, and he makes his way the long way to the base of Medrash, because he knows what a breakfast that's going to be waiting for him, he starts up in chakras before he gets there. It's so hard. He pulls himself into the base medrash. He opens the Gemara. It's difficult. Boring. He doesn't understand it. It looks like Chinese. It's like a recipe for wonton soup. He has no idea what's flying. Yes, Kedushin, not Kedushin. Tiny, so much that we're learning. The guy is it's so hard for him. And then you have another guy. This guy gets woken up. A Rebbe comes in in the morning. Shachris. Shachris, this is beautiful, and he jumps up and he's dressed and he's nagelvasa with his tzitzis and his tefillin on. One of the sorrows showing him he's excited to come in to hear tefillin b'tzimush krishma b'smana. Ah, ah, now I have opportunity to learn kiddushin. This is wonderful. I'm so excited, and he opens the Gemara. Which one would you expect gets more sra? Which one after 120 years is going to come up to Shemayim and they're going to say, Ah, we've been waiting for you. I don't know about you, but I would have said, the guy that's difficult, it's hard for him, it's boring, he does it, but he does it because he has to. That's what we need to do, so we do it. He gets tremendous schar, he doesn't want to do it and he still does it. The guy who enjoys it, no, so he enjoys shachris. He enjoys Mincha. He enjoys the stimulation of the Gemara. It's Kishmak. And the Torah says, no, 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 no. Not only does the person who doesn't do it besimcha, okay, no, he didn't do it besimcha. No, no, no. 98 Kladois, 98 curses come to his life. Haskins the Rambam, this week's parsha. Because he didn't do it besimcha. That's it. That's all he was missing. He did everything great. He showed up. He was there. First one. Doesn't it, because he didn't do it besimcha. That's it. What does that mean? What does that mean to us? What does that mean to our lives? And Obesa, maybe we should dig down deep. Which one of those two guys do we fit into? And then think about the 98 curses that's going on over here. Which one do we fit into? Rabbi, so I want to read to you a Lashen of the Chayvah Salavavos. Chayvah Salavavos, at the end, Herod base, Shara Kim. The Chayvah Salavavos is a very scary thing. The Chayvah Salavavos says there are two types of Yidin, two types of Jews. The two ways of serving Hashem. There's one which the Chayvah Salavavos calls which means he does something because he knows it's the right thing to do. 
He learns because that's what um, a yid does. He governs because that's what a yid does. He does all the right things because it's the right thing to do. And then, says the Chayvah Salavobos, we have a yid who serves the Rabbi Nishalem of what he called Hakores HaSeichel because he wants to, because he enjoys it. Says the Chayvah Salavobos, which service, which avoider does the Rabbi Nishalem want? What does he want? What does the Rabbi Nishalem want from us? Says the Chayvah Salavobos, it's very simple, the Rabbi Nishalem is only interested in the latter one. The Rabbi Shalom did not create Torah and Yidden for robots. He's not interested for us just to go through the motions. We put the strings, the straps on, we wrap it, we say Shema, we daven, we open our Gemaras, we learn, we do everything we need to do because that's what we need to do. That's not why the Rabbi Shalom created us. That's not why the Rabbi Shalom created the Torah. And that's not why the Rabbi Shem created the world. Rabbi Shem, I'm just translating you the words of the Chayv Salavobos to look at the end of Beis Sharalikim. Avoid the Salikim. Says the Chayv Salavobos that a person has to realize the point of creation. Why are you here in this world? And that is to serve the Rabbi Shem and do mitzvahs because you want to. Not because you have to. Not because anyone's looking. Not because anyone cares but because you want to. That's the reason. And Rabbi Sai, I think we have to dig deep. Because at one point in our lives, we have to graduate the school of Hakoras HaToyah and go to Hakoras HaSeichel. How do we do it? How do we get to the level of Yiddish guy where we want to serve the Rabbi Nishlam again? Rabbi said, this is not a maila. I'm not telling you, you know what? It's nice. You, know, you want to serve Hashem, don't want to serve Hashem, how to do it, you know, with Simcha, without Simcha, it's a Maila, it's a Chumrah, it's a Midas Chasidus, no, 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 no. The Tyranistic Spasha telling us, if you want to know why this Yid is getting 98 curses, it's because there's no Simcha. So how do we do it? How do we graduate from Hakoras HaToyah to Hakoras HaSeichel? And the answer is what the Chavis Salavavis tells us himself in Peri Gimel, again, Shah Avod Kim. And he said, you know how? Hakoras chazdei Hashem. When a person realizes the chesed that the Rabbi Shalom did for him and does for him on a daily basis, all of a sudden now. Now you can understand your life. Why you were sent here. And all of the chesed that the Rabbi Shalom does, you want to pay the Rabbi Shalom back. You don't want to be a robot. I'll give an example. Reveli Lapian, Zatzal was once sitting and his grandson came in his daughter born in her son his grandson, a little grandson two and a half year old grandson walks in so the Rebbitson goes over to the kitchen to get a candy to get a sweet and she gives it to the child, little two year old two and a half year old child and the mother of the child says no, tagid toda say thank you so the child, two and a half year old says toda Ah, the mother and the grandmother, the Rebbitson is beaming with pride. Look at this little child saying, Toda, isn't that beautiful? So nice. And Revelia Lopian cried out, Oi, vai! He said, Rebbe, what, what happened? Is everything okay? Oi, vai, look at this wonderful moment of Nachas, your grandson is saying, Toda, saying thank you. Listen to Revelia Lopian's answer. 
He said, you know, does this child actually understand the word toda? No. He doesn't have no idea what the word toda means. So why is the child saying toda? Because its mother has taught the child, say toda. Okay, so basically it's easier than taking a parrot and teaching a parrot what to say. You teach a child to say toda. The child has no idea what they're saying. The child is parroting off what the mother is telling them. Says with Eli Lapien, I was thinking about my own life. Every time I open the siddha, which is full of Todarabba to the Rabbani Shalom, am I just a parrot? I, I just like parrot off what the siddha says? I, I, don't, I, I, mean, I mean what I say? Or I'm just parroting it off. So if Eli Lapien, it meant something to me because maybe I'm no worse than that two and a half year old child that doesn't understand what he's saying. You know, just down the road, there's a yid called Raburi Zohar. Raburi Zohar was one of the national worldwide superstars of, the, of that world of Hollywood. And we became religious many, many years ago. It was a shock to the whole system. The Israeli society was shocked. He's the biggest superstar in Hollywood. Becoming Haredi? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? And not only did he become Haredi, he went to live in the middle of Matistov with all the Haredim. About a year and a half after he became religious, the radio station, TV stations, they all came to interview him. And they said to him, you know, ah, you want to be religious, I understand, but like, to live amongst all of the Haredim? God, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you go from world to world? It's a year and a half later. He said, it's okay, I'm, I'm no longer a Balchuva. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And they said, really? <laughs> exactly, just tell us, exactly at what point do you stop being a Balchuva and you become one of them? What does that mean? How do you become one of them? She said, a very simple answer. I stopped having Kavana in Davening. I became like one of them. Kozmam, I'm a Balchuva. It's geschmack, it's exciting. Davening means something to me. But now, I'm like everybody else. I have no Kavana in Davening. I just really say the words. Rabbi said, the Chayvis Salabavis is telling us, if you want to live the life that the Rabbi Nishalolam sent you down onto this world, you've got to do it with Simcha. You've got to do it with happiness. You've got to do it with the geschmack. But you know what? We've become desensitized. After one of my trips, I remember distinctively, I was on the tunnel. As you leave the aeroplane, you go in that tunnel. I was exhausted. I've got to remember which flight and which, no idea where I was coming from, which country. I was t- totally exhausted, schlepping the luggage and all the presents for the kids as you do. And I'm coming off there and there's a guy whizzing, past, you know, so it's always like race to try and get off as fast as you can from the aeroplane. Like it's an unspoken rule, right? You have to get off first, right? Whether they do take the, the signs of the seatbelts are on or the off, is irrelevant. I've got to be the first one to get my luggage and get on the front of the plane as soon as possible. Why? I don't know, but it's like one of those rules. So this guy was whizzing past me. And I'm looking, thinking, oh, where are you going already? Like, you know, we're all going to have to wait on the passport control. Like, what's the difference? Anyway, he says to me, he says to me in Hebrew, whatever. He says, you're desensitized. I said, what, what are you, I was coming back there. Just, What's the, what, what are you talking about? So he whizzes off. And I see as he goes further and further into the airport, he finds the first mezuzah on the airport and he gives it such a kiss. He's so excited to walk into an airport and see a mezuzah. And I realized to myself, he's right. He's right. We're desensitized. We don't realize what we have. You know, the world... It's full of pleasure. Some of them are real, and some of them are fake. And everyone's looking 
for happiness. People mix pleasure with happiness. They think that pleasure is happiness. But everyone's looking to be happy. Everyone's looking. People are pleasure seekers. In fact, the Masilat Shisham tells us in Perik Aleph that the reason why the Rabbi Nishlam created the world was that we should have Hanor from the world. We should have pleasure. And there's something very unique about this week's parasha that tells us all about that. The uniqueness of this week's parasha begins with parasha Bikurim. Talks about the Bikurim. The Torah is telling us, enjoy everything the Rabbi Yishon created. Enjoy the world. Enjoy everything Hashem, the gifts that Hashem gave you. That's number one. We move on a bit later. The Torah continues also to the sugya of the, the, the brachas and everything that uh, the Rabbi Yishon gives us when we do mitzvahs, which is interesting, the Bali Musa say, how can we get a bracha for doing mitzvahs? There's no reward in this world. Why is the Torah telling us all the brachas you get for keeping mitzvahs? Says the Bali Musa, you know why? Because the bracha you get that are mentioned in the Torah are not a reward for a mitzvah. They're the automatic outcome of a mitzvah. That when a person keeps the Torah, when a person keeps the mitzvahs, he's going to have an automatically happier life. He's going to have a fulfilled life. He's going to be happy. Whereas on the other hand, the curse has come about. And the Torah is telling you, why did you not find happiness in the Torah? I remember so many years, so many years, hearing from my Rosh Hashivas at Tzal of Scheinberg, quoting this week's parasha, the Rechaim HaKadosh, where the Rechaim HaKadosh tells us, ah, remember it like yesterday, Remember all the good. What's the good? Look at the Rechaim HaKadosh I'm not going to quote it word for word. But I remember my Rosh Hashiva of Shambhag Zatzal. Again and again and again. This week's parasha, this Rechaim HaKadosh. He must have quoted it dozens of times. That the Torah, the Rechaim HaKadosh tells us, you know what it means? That if we would understand the sweetness, the gishmak, of one word of Torah, says the Rechaim HaKadosh, will go with sugar. We'll go crazy from the Gishmak. Just from the Gishmak of, of just the, a word of Torah, Tana Rabbonon. Haishaniknis. One word, the Gishmak. We'll go with sugar, says the Rechaim HaKadosh. We'll go crazy. But we don't. Because we're all looking for happiness. And everyone's looking for happiness in different places. I spoke to one of my Hamidim from many years ago. Benazmanim said to him, oh, where are you? Where are you holding? I'm in Thailand. I'm trying to find myself. Really? All the way to Thailand to find yourself. He doesn't realize it's right here, Rabbi Say. It's right here in the Torah. You don't have to go running to Africa and swinging with the koala bears to find happiness. That's not going to give you happiness. They made a study, 69%. Of the world population claim they're not happy. People are sad. People are not happy. Because I don't have the latest Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus. That's what I don't have. Because if I... You're impressed, right? If I had that, if I had that, I'd be happy. The foldable one, whatever it's called. Oh, finally, happiness in my life. Rabbi said, people are looking to be happy and they're just sad. Go to Hollywood. I was in LA. For the yeshiva reason, I met a lot of interesting people there. How many people over there? The richest people 
are going to psychologists, psychiatrists, they're all depressed. They're on medication. I don't understand. You've got 14 plasma screens in every room of your house, including the bathroom, with the gold toilet roll, or maybe now they have the gold toilet, right? That, that's going to make me happy. Because, Rabbi side, these people are depressed. That's not happiness. People are looking and running to try and get happiness in their lives. It's only making them sad. It's making them depressed. They say a story of a Yid that got taken in by the authorities. And he was taken and he was bound by chains to a wall with a huge wheel. And his job was to turn this very heavy, huge wheel around and around and around. He had no idea what was going on on the other side of the wall. And for years and years, that's all he was doing. Sleeping, waking up, round and round, sleeping, we're eating a little bit, round and... That's all he was doing. And he was imagining, what's going on on the other side of the wall? Maybe I'm grinding wheat, someone's eating bread. Maybe there's electricity that I'm generating, something, at least something, I'm doing something productive in my life. After 25 years, they take off the chains. And the first thing he does is he goes around the wall and it's empty. There's nothing there. For 25 years, he's been going round and round for nothing. Rabbi Sai, how many of us, after 120 years of running and running, are going to get up there and expect to see them waiting for us, the Malachim, the palace we've been building? It's going to be empty. There's nothing there. My whole life. What do you mean? I have every phone. I know exactly the latest sports results. I'm exactly in the news with all the elections. I'm in everything. I know what's going on. Nothing. You can work your entire life and you get zero. You get nothing. Have you ever wondered why, I don't know if you've ever seen this, probably not. You have New Year's parties. End of December, so there's a new year. New Year's parties, people get drunk, people enjoy the alcohol, get completely plastered, singing Happy New Year. You ever thought to yourself, what's Pshat? You ever thought, like, well, what's Pshat? This mission going? Like, what, what are they thinking in their lives? You know, everyone's singing Happy New Year. And if they're so, answer a question. You know, if they're so happy with the New Year, why on earth are they intoxicated? Why on earth are they drunk? And not realizing exactly what's going on. If it was such a happy moment, why are you drowning your sorrows in alcohol? Because after all, that's exactly what alcohol is. It's an emotional anesthetic. It gets you out of who you are because you're obviously not happy. So that makes you happy. But if we're singing and shouting Happy New Year, why are we drinking? Why are people getting drunk? You know what the answer is? It's not about the new year in the future. It's about the new year in the past. When they look back in their lives and they see what a waste of a year. What a waste of a life. I may as well get completely plastered because there's nothing good about what I did this year. We take a Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Isai, the Havdul Elef, Al We take a Rosh Hashanah that were just two weeks standing in this very Beis Medrash. We don't get drunk. We take the seriousness in. We're besimcha. 
of what we did. We're besimcha about the betochen of the future. But that's what's going on. That's the understanding is that we had a life that we can actually accomplish something. You know, imagine, like I said this when I was in South Africa, imagine you take an apple seed, you know, a small black apple seed, tiny little thing, and you plant it, plant it in the ground, and then you wait, and it becomes a little, little you know, sapling, then it goes into a tree, and finally it produces apples. Imagine if you took the entire tree and you took out all of the seeds of every apple of that tree, replanted it, wait a few years, more apple trees, take all of those black seeds of all of those trees, replant them. Within a few times, Rabbi say, you will have enough apples to feed planet Earth, billions of people, one small black seed. Rabbi said the potential within every single one of us is much more than that small little black seed. And look what that black seed can actually accomplish. You know, during Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, in the Brach of Zechreinus, we say that on the day that Yom HaDin, a person is judged, not only for his actions, but also for his mission. The Mephoshim asks, what does it mean? My actions, of course I get judged for my actions, but what about my mission? What about getting judged for my mission? And the answer is, your mission refers to your purpose. Why were you sent down to the world? Did you understand your purpose? Did you accomplish anything? There's a reason that you were sent here. And it's that that you're being judged on in Rosh Hashanah. Did you do something to get closer to the goal of reaching who you're meant to be? The Kalma Magid once said over, can you imagine in the Beis Olam, in the cemetery of Kelm, if there was a Tchiyas Hamis in one afternoon, for half an hour, all the nift, all the nift, all the, all the mason there, for half an hour, were given one half an hour, to get up again, have half an hour, and go back. Let me ask you a simple question, where would they go? What would they do? They'd be running to the base medrash. They'd be running, opening up any safer that they find, a few words of Torah, putting on their tzitzis, putting on their tzvillin, saying, anything. And their relatives would be standing there. No, let's have a schmooze. Let's discuss the latest. Come on. Let's catch up. Let's get schmack on a Friday night always to catch up with the latest news with all our friends. What else are we going to do during the Chadoidi? Let's get schmack. But we don't realize that these Mesim understand the tachlis of the world. They're running to the Mesim Medrash. They're running to Mekayim Mitzvahs to do Torah because they understand what they were sent down to the world to do. Do we understand? Every gravestone, every tombstone has on it the name. And when they were born and the day that they died. And in between, you ever notice a little dash? He was born such and such a date, such a year, dash, and the day he died. The day you're born, the day you die. In between the dash, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to accomplish during that time? They made a study, a very interesting experiment. They took a bunch of kids. They took a bunch of four or five-year-old children. I think I mentioned this once before. Beautiful idea. They took an experiment, four or five-year-old children, and they gave them one marshmallow. One marshmallow. And they said, children, you can either eat it now, or if you wait 15 minutes, you'll get another marshmallow. Some of the kids, 
Our kids? No, straight away. Some of the kids waited. They took the same children and they watched these children from when they were four or five years old all the way until they were really adults. And they saw that the children that, ex- that exercised a bit of discipline, a bit of self-constraint were very, very successful adults. We all like to enjoy the immediate pleasure of life. We look for what gives us pleasure, what gives us a geschmack, what gives us what we think is simcha, in inverted commas. But what we don't realize is it just makes a bigger hole because we just want more and we just want more. The only real pleasure that the Torah is telling us in this week's parasha is a pleasure of Torah, is a pleasure of mitzvahs, is a pleasure of serving the Rabboni Shalolam, the Simcha. Reb Chaim once got up to give a Moshe in the Mei Yeshiva and he was known a very emotional man Sometimes he would break down and cry in the middle of a shmooz. And Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz got up and he explained what happened that week. He said he was walking down the street and he saw a young soldier. A young soldier walking down the street. He was limping. And as he watched a little bit closer, he saw that the soldier was missing a leg. And he went up to the soldier and said, Oi, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm so sad for you. Is everything okay? Can I help you? And he was crying. It was emotional. He saw a yid and tsar. And the chayal and the soldier said to him, no, no, it's okay, it's fine, I'm, I'm okay. And he said, how did it happen? He said, Rabbi, it's fine. It happened because I was protecting Kali Israel. I was protecting the country. Rumchayim Shmulevitz got into the base medrash for a Muslim and said, Rabbi Sai, this yid was happy to cope with anything, to give up his leg for something that he felt was chashem. What do we give up? What are we willing to give up in our own lives? And that's something we have to understand. I'll tell you over a myself, I think again, I've said this here once before, but again, it just brings home the point. The university in Columbia University, some of the top students were there, there was a debate going on, and there was a group of students from an organization called Yachad. Yachad is an organization of mentally retarded children, and they were also there at the time of this debate. And they were debating backwards and forwards about roles of lives. And these top students of Columbia University were telling everyone, this is my role, this is my role. And there was one mentally retarded child who put up his hand and he asked a question. And he said, Rabbi, what's my role in life? I can't do much, can't walk, can barely speak, can't write. What's my role in life? And the rabbi was stunned, he didn't know what to say. What do you answer such a boy? He was speechless. And he could see people in the room were emotional. People were crying. And he said, maybe that's your purpose. Maybe that's your purpose. To get people to think about their mission. To get people to think about what they were sent down in this world. The week after that happened, the boy was nifter. And when the rabbi came to be Menachem Oval, the parents, he said, look at that. He accomplished his mission in this world to get other people to think about why they were sent down to this world. Rabbi said, if you move to the last posuk of this week's parasha, the Torah says, the very last posuk, look at Targum Unclus. Targum Unclus says, if you want to succeed in everything you do, keep Torah and mitzvahs. As the Torah tells us in this week's parasha, the recipe 
the key to a successful life, to a life of happiness, of fulfillment, of a geshmaka life, is serving the Rabbani Shalom B'Simcha. When you serve the Rabbani Shalom B'Simcha, because you want to, like the Chayvi Salabav has told us, is that the reason the Rabbani Shalom created us, the Torah and the world. And the Rabbani Shalom will give us the Yafi Gishmaya, the Taka understand our purpose, to keep keep serving the Rabbani Shalom with so much Gishmak, with so much Simcha, and the Eid Hashem will come to Yom Haddin as a different person. Have a good night.